On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla is finally added to the S&P 500 on the stock market, and the stock reacted to that very well. Plus, Elon Musk is hyped up about Tesla's big holiday software update, the cheapest Model 3 appears to have gone away, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 277 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for November 22nd, 2020. To my left on the couch, Daisy the Boxer, who I have to say, I'm, uh, I'm a little worried about the poor pup. She's been coughing for the last 24 hours now. At first I thought, well, she's just got something caught in her throat a little bit, but now it's, uh, it's something else. So if you hear that in the background, if you hear her kind of cough a little bit, that's what it is, and just going to keep an eye on her for the weekend, and if it continues, I will try to get her to the vet early next week, so hopefully she's going to be okay. Uh, real quick, I wanted to say, don't forget that all new Patreon supporters at the $5 sport tier or higher get a one-time group Google Hangout with me and your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners. Meanwhile, the maximum plaid tier folks they are always invited. And the next one, because I've been getting asked, the next one is scheduled for Sunday, December 6th at noon Pacific time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. So if uh, if you, I'll, I'll tell you more about the Patreon at the end of the show as usual, but that is coming up and I would love to have you there. Love to have you supporting the podcast. All right, let me get right to the week of Tesla news, because guess what? It's been another busy week, as uh, usually they are. There are not a lot of quiet weeks, which is good for me, considering I'm doing a weekly podcast about Tesla. It's good to always have lots of stuff to talk about. And this week, the big story, Tesla added to the S&P 500. Well, it didn't end up taking too long in the end. They kind of left them off of their first round of eligibility, but here in their second, they are in. They left them off for, and that was a time of one quarter, really was all it was. To be clear though, this doesn't go into effect until December 21st. That's when it's official. So I guess we should say Merry Christmas to all of you Tesla stockholders, because that is uh, definitely a good holiday gift for those of you who are in possession of Tesla stock. Now, in simple terms, which you know, it's, uh, that's, I have a simple understanding about stocks. It is not my expertise, although I do have a little bit better understanding of this after talking to my financial planner wife about it. This means what the S&P 500 means for Tesla is that all of the index mutual funds and ETFs basically have to buy Tesla stock now, which in turn should help the Tesla stock price stay consistently higher. It's going to take a lot of shares off of the market, kind of reducing the float is the term there, uh, thus then raising the price. It's you know supply and demand. There will be less supply. The demand will go up, meaning the stock price will go up. The announcement came after hours on Monday, after the market closed, and the stock immediately shot up by 9%. Now, it ended Monday before the announcement, 
at $408.09. By the end of the week, here I'm recording, as usual, late Friday night, so it finished off the week. Uh, it did dip down a little bit. It, it ended its, uh, its, its streak going upwards throughout the rest of the week, but it did go down a little on Friday, but it nevertheless closed the week at $489.61, which, doing the quick math, is a 20% jump. And that could be just the beginning. Again, if I knew the answer to that, uh, I would be a stock savant and be a much wealthier person than I am. But again, my basic understanding is that the rise in the stock price could continue not only in the run-up, to Tesla officially being added to the S&P 500 on December 21st, but when it actually happens as well. Now, if you wanted to put this in a bit more of a perspective, like, because you think, okay, well, sure, that's a that's a really nice stock gain, but another way to look at this, if you want to kind of reset it back to its pre-five to one stock split share price, all you got to do is multiply that 489.61 by 5 and you get $2,448 per share. That is incredible. If you know that sort of is the is the apples to apples conversion for what the Tesla stock was at, you know, a year ago or as far as the, the before the split. So, 2448 a share, but of course after the 5 to 1 split still Knocking on the door, it actually did touch $500 a share this week, and it may very well get back there, perhaps even by the time you hear this, if you're not listening right on Sunday as the show publishes. So good stuff for Tesla, and particularly Tesla shareholders. And I think my thoughts on this, hopefully this should put a nail in the coffins of the FUD crowd, Meaning, if you've never heard the term FUD, I mentioned it from time to time. It's referring to fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is what the Tesla naysayers, who are frequently also Tesla short sellers, they are people betting on, not in the literal gambling sense, but in the legal stock market sense, they are betting against the share price, thinking that's going to go down and they will profit if it goes down. So, you know, you've had this contingent of people who, uh, again, the short seller group and the FUD group, sadly, more often than not, one in the same group. Um, but certainly, there there were, and I'm sure there still are people who, to be clear, bet against the Tesla stock simply thinking it was overvalued, and there were people that thought that, and they didn't actively wage a disinformation campaign against Tesla. But the real naysayers... The people spreading that FUD, that anti-Tesla propaganda online, those people may now be forever silenced with this. Because the S&P 500, I mean, that is the ultimate acceptance of a company in financial terms. It really, there isn't a higher tier than that. I mean, that is that is the gold standard of, of our stock market uh, and of a publicly traded company in the United States. Now, granted... With regard to those fudsters and short sellers, we we really we haven't heard much from them over the past year anyway, as the stock has been going on, as you know, a meteoric rise. And then we had that aforementioned five-way stock split. 
I mean, really, though, but the, the thing about the Fudsters, the thing about about the uh, the Tesla Q crowd, as they are called, because that's that's, I guess, the sort of stock terminology Q at the end is, is the people shorting it. it. Those people, they're like the it's like the end of Terminator one where the T-800 gets blown up. But it just keeps coming. The, the flesh is melted off its body, but the, the endoskeleton just keeps coming. Now, the hope is, again, figuratively speaking, that those same Fudsters have been crushed in the machine press, like like at the end of Terminator 1. Uh, again, figuratively speaking, not looking for anybody to actually physically get crushed. But uh, I will say, too... No doubt a lot of Tesla employees who have Tesla shares as part of their compensation packages are very thrilled right now, too. And they, most of all, have earned the rewards that come from this Tesla, uh, excuse me, this S&P 500 inclusion. So I want to say congratulations to everyone at Tesla because it took an incredible amount of hard work to get the company to this place, and, and it's it's very well-deserved. Again, I mean, I know I'm a fanboy. I'm not any kind of financial analyst expert, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a Tesla employee, but from where I sit as somebody who is a Tesla owner, a Tesla enthusiast, somebody who believes in the mission of this company and has been following it religiously for, gosh, I guess I've been, I've been following it for over a decade now, I really believe that they've, they've earned this. They really have, so... Congratulations to everybody at Tesla. And just to put a bow on this before I move on to the next story, let's take that 10,000-foot view that I like to take for just a quick moment. Think back four years ago, which was so the, at the end of 2016, after the Model 3 was unveiled, but before, well before it had been built. And now, look where Tesla is and where it's going from not only a financial perspective, but from a product perspective, a manufacturing perspective. I mean, it's just a beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing to see how far this company has come in the last, you know, three, four years since since prior to the Model 3's introduction into the market. Next up this week, Tesla is readying a big new software update for the holidays and a certain Elon Musk is out there hyping it up, which is fun to see. He took to Twitter to say, quote, Tesla holiday software release is fire emoji, fire emoji. And he followed that up when somebody asked for a hint and he said this, quote, so many things you want and some you didn't know you wanted, end quote. So I naturally have to wonder now if this is going to be a proper version 11. We've gotten those major system software releases in the early fall, the last couple of years with V9 and V10, those both came in right around the September timeframe. So, you know, this year though, there's, there's something a bit bigger on the horizon that would make sense to tie it into a full version release. And that of course is the city streets full self-driving that is in early access beta testing in the public right now. I mean, it, uh, we do know that this release has, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to quite call it a UI redesign, but certainly a UI refresh for sure, which I told you about a couple episodes ago. So you've got your full, you've got your full self-driving for the city. 
a car that will make left turns for you, respond to to parked cars, to uh, bicycles, to pedestrians, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so you've got that. You've got a UI refresh. And then I, I, I wonder what else might be in this. I mean, maybe the 360-degree overhead vector-based uh, assembled camera display that we uh, that Elon mentioned on Twitter not too long ago, and that's supposed to be enabled by the full self-driving, excuse me, the full autopilot rewrite is enabling that. So that could be part of this. Maybe the update to the dash cam viewer that lets you select multiple sentry videos at once and delete them all in one go so you don't have to go one by one. That was something that had come up on Twitter that Elon had responded positively to. Uh, Maybe this release will have the pedestrian speaker fart noises that Elon has talked about a few times. Of course, just as a friendly reminder, the pedestrian speaker is only on Tesla's built after on or after September of 2019, last year. That was when they, I, and I remember that specifically because uh, when, I, when I was helping out at the Fremont Delivery Center with new owner orientations as the Tesla employees were busy actually doing the, the real work of the, the paperwork of, of getting people their cars, and I was there answering questions, uh, that was right when the, the that first batch of cars started to deliver, right at the end of September. And it, it just—I remember being struck because I'd done that volunteering, that you know, that new owner helping out before at the same spot, the Fremont Delivery Center. And suddenly it was like, wait a minute, why am I hearing cars? Oh yeah, because they've got the the low speed pedestrian speaker the so you know it's, it's a different sound of course in forward or reverse if you are a new owner over the past year this is just your normal and you're and you might be sitting here wondering wait ryan what are you talking about the cars didn't always have this no they were it's only been a thing for the past year but anyway could the v11 could have those pedestrian speaker enabled fart noises and if i had to guess I think there's probably a pretty good chance that a new video game might find its way into the Teslas as something of a holiday present. So it, whatever is in this update, if we are lucky, it's about a month away because it's the 20th as I record this. It's the 22nd as this show releases about a month from Christmas. And uh, we've been told so far that you know, December, mid to late December was going to be the timing for the the wider release of the full self-driving package. So we shall see. And of course, Elon saying holiday software release, that seems to back that up. Next up this week, the standard range Model 3 appears to be going away. It appears to have already gone away. A tip of the cap to Electrek, who had this first. Now, if you remember... You can't actually order that car on the website. You can't order the for, the $35,000 car. You have to order the $38,000 car in the form of the standard range plus and then take delivery of it and downgrade it via the software locks that are that get put in place to disable some of your speakers and some of your uh, other software features and then you are given a uh, refund on that. But apparently the situation now is that Tesla employees are telling customers, sorry, we can't do the downgrade anymore. So 
If this is the end for the standard range, I have to say it's not a surprise. It's been around for just over a year and a half now. It debuted in March of 2019, as I recall. If I have my my timeline correct, I, I do distinctly remember that. So it lasted a year and a half, and and it really did only exist to fulfill a long-held pricing promise, it, much much like the Model S 40 kilowatt hour uh, edition that went away as well. That car only existed because years prior, Elon and Tesla had promised a $50,000 sedan and the 40 kilowatt hour Model S, which was actually a software locked 60 kilowatt hour car that they were already making. Uh, So they, they did offer those and that went away very quickly and the standard range has stuck around a little longer, but and and the fact is Tesla did deliver on that promise. Any reservation holder, if you were holding your reservation for three or, or more years since 2016, you did have an opportunity to go ahead and, and buy that standard range plus and downgrade it to the standard range. So uh, it seems to be sailing off into the sunset now. And of course, the fact of the matter is for, for better or for worse, I think it's fair to say that Tesla doesn't want to build that. They don't want, or they don't, they don't want to sell that car. And really, by most accounts, it seems as though most people don't really want to buy it. the The fact is, the standard range plus is really. I, I mean, it's yes, this is a subjective thing to say, but I think it's pretty darn close to objective, uh, objectively a a way better value for three thousand dollars more. You're getting now with the 2021 refresh. 263 miles of range uh, versus 220 in the standard range. You get the basic autopilot that you don't get in the standard range when you when you uh, take the software lock. And as I mentioned before, a, a better sound system. You get all your speakers turned on with their standard range plus as well. So $3,000 more gets you a, a pretty healthy bit more of a car than the downgraded standard range does. Although, I mean, even if the standard range does stick around and this is some sort of either miscommunication or possibly a temporary policy change just for the Q4 push where they're trying to maximize revenue, the standard range is probably still not long for this world in the grand scheme of things because the $25,000 car, let's call it the Model 4, if you will, I think... uh, for me, I think it makes sense to say the $25,000 car, the, the compact sedan, that would be Model 4 in my opinion, and the hot hatch, the hatchback city car, I think that would be the Model 2. I don't know, that's just that's what makes sense in my head, but I'll say I'm open to discussion on that if anybody feels differently, but I do think that that $25,000 car that's due in about three years' time, almost certainly at, at that point, will spell the end of the standard range, if if by some chance it's not already dead now. Uh, that, of course, that's also assuming that it stays on schedule, that, that rough three years from now schedule that Elon mentioned at Battery Day. Next this week, uh, now last week I told you about Tesla's 20,000th supercharger, and one of the major milestone chargers is Fireball a gigantic supercharger that is now open in California just off of Interstate 5, 
it's it's about 150 or so miles south of San Francisco, south of the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, between San Francisco and L.A. Now, if Fireball sounds familiar, it's because I did tell you about it a few, three, four shows ago. It is, just to refresh you, a 56-stall V3 supercharging station, which makes it the largest supercharger, period, in North America, also then the largest V3 uh, charger as well. So I want to say thank you to the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, who first sent word that it was open. They got the confirmation somebody was from the club was down there. Now, the, the Mini Mart slash restaurant that I told you about when I first talked about this recently, that is still under construction, but the superchargers themselves are ready to go right now. They are online. Now, hilariously, if you look at it, if you look at that station uh, on the in-car map, the in-car supercharger map in your Tesla, you know how the, the in-car map shows a, a red bar above each station and the the more red in the bar you know it shows you how many stalls are occupied how many stalls are free the fireball bar is comically large and i mean it's just it's huge it's because it's it's 56 little bars long i think tesla is going to have to redesign that bit of the ui before too long because these newer charging stations these newer superchargers more often than not they're huge I mean, there's that big new one in Vegas that I think is, that's at least 20-something. I actually don't remember off the top of my head, but that's a big one. Uh, of course, now Fireball. I mean, these these are, and the Chargers, they are going to get bigger. I mean, Tesla, the growth of the company, the fleet, they are going to need to be, when they put in a new station, it's going to have to be bigger just by necessity. So um, now what's interesting also, not only the, the, the bar is comically large in the UI, for some reason, the car, the in-car uh, display says that there are 60 stalls, even though one of the members of the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Club personally went there and counted all of the stalls, and there are 56. Apparently, there are four that are that are uh, kind of being worked on for uh, trailer usage, like just you know, so different configurations. So that was a bit still a bit odd that it shows 60 in the car, but. It is 56 V3 superchargers. As a bonus, they're all under solar panel canopies helping to power the station. So that's awesome. Now, Kettleman City, the longtime standard bearer for supercharger awesomeness, has 40 stalls. And it's it's another, I think, uh, 50, 70, I think it's around 75 miles or so south of where this new Fireball station is. Again, you know, between San Francisco and Los Angeles, 40 stalls there, but only half of them thus far have been upgraded to V3. So if you've got 56 that are all V3 at Fireball. Now, as I mentioned, when I originally told you about this, they're not, as I said, they're not far apart. And I imagine that's kind of on purpose on Tesla's part to split the traffic that's going to be driving north, driving south between San Francisco and L.A., and thus, the, I'm sure the goal is that now neither one of them will see congestion at peak holiday times. Now, at least at Fireball, the good news there, everyone can still get full V3 capacity, even if the, 
the whole thing's full since V3 chargers aren't paired like V2 superchargers are. And, and what I'm talking about there, if you're newer to Tesla, uh, if you look at a, v, a regular version two supercharger, you'll see that it might say uh, 1A and 1B and 2A and 2B, etc. It's because the way it, it works is those are on a pair, uh, a circuit together. And if you park right next to somebody, if they're charging on an A and you're and you plug in on the B, well, you're not. They're going to be getting more of the juice, and you're not going to get as much charge as you could be getting as, as much high speed, as much speed on your charge. So, if the the, the general polite etiquette at non V3 superchargers is to try, if you can, you know, you can't always do this, but if you can, space out. You know, leave leave a space between your car and the uh, and the next car, so that everybody's on their own circuit and everybody's getting as much juice as they can at one time. Uh, now, as far as Fireball goes, one final note there. If I was driving to Arizona this holiday, I would almost certainly make a point to stop there, either on the way down or, or on the way back. But uh, as I may have mentioned before, yeah, we, we've canceled our plans. I mean, unfortunately, with the uh, COVID cases rising, we just can't take the risk of, of bringing anything to my parents, to my, my uh, extended family members. But the good news is, if... If it's still safe to do so, to do so in a socially distanced way, the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley is doing a Fireball Supercharger takeover, which is not in the literal sense. Just we're just going to go there and check it out. There'll be a drive, uh, a coordinated group drive, which will be fun. You know, you'll have what it's probably going to be. If I had to guess, twenty to forty Teslas all rolling down Interstate Five together to check out this this brand new uh, largest supercharger in, in North America. So uh, if you're interested in that, if you're in the, the San Francisco Bay Area, it's going to be happening on Saturday, December 14th at uh, from 1 to 6 p.m. You know, so it'll take what? Pro- probably take about, uh, I guess, what, two, maybe two and a half hours to drive down to, and then the same, the same to come back after we all hang out and charge up. Uh, let me make sure I've got the date. Or is it? Yeah. It's going to be, or no, maybe it's the 12th. Sorry, let me, I'll have to double check the date. Uh, I will try to do that as I'm talking about the next story, uh, which is, speaking of California, California Tesla buyers can now get an instant $1,500 off of their car uh, when they purchase right at the point of purchase, right at delivery. This comes via the Tesla Motors Reddit, and here is an email from a customer advisor and this has been confirmed elsewhere, too, so this is for sure. And the email from the Tesla ad- advisor wrote, There is a new benefit for purchasing a new Tesla if you have not yet taken delivery. We are very excited to announce that effective November 17th, 2020, the state of California is releasing a statewide clean fuel reward instant rebate of $1,500 for all new titled Teslas registering and delivering in the state. This incentive will be applied at the time of delivery, thereby making getting into a Tesla $1,500 cheaper for our California customers. There is nothing for you to do to receive the rebate. Just before you take delivery, there will be an additional document in your My Tesla account to e-sign. Instructions will follow from our delivery team. Enjoy. So as far as I can tell, and I mean, I don't claim to know everything, but I am doing my best to stay on top of all things Tesla. 
Uh, this came completely out of nowhere as far as I'm concerned. Uh, also of note, there's no household income limit to qualify for this, which there is on Tesla's $2,000 state level rebate on electric vehicles. And, you know, I, I mean, this is great. I will say I'm honestly not sure how big of a difference this will make for Tesla since Tesla's already delivering every single car they can build, this might come more into play for maybe a GM or a Nissan with a Bolt, with a Leaf, etc. Maybe Audi with an e-tron if somebody's looking for uh, for something like that. This could you know, really make more of a difference for other manufacturers and, and potential buyers there. Tesla seems to be selling every car they can possibly build. But hey, it will certainly make a difference for the always large contingent of California-based Tesla buyers, because, hey, 1500 bucks is a lot of money. I mean, but in fact, to put this in what I feel is the most impactful perspective, look at it this way. This makes the, again, I mentioned it a few minutes ago in the show, the just-refreshed 2021 Model 3 Standard Range Plus, which, again, now gets 263 miles of range, excellent value, It's now, if you're in California, a $36,500 car out the door. Of course, before taxes and DMV registration fees that every car has. But still, I mean, that's that's a really nice buy. That's a really nice deal on the Standard Range Plus, particularly now that it has more range than it did two weeks ago. And uh, again, you know, to follow up on that last story, I guess or the story before, I guess, uh, for Californians at the very least, it certainly renders that seemingly outgoing standard range downgrade model to be obsolete anyway, even if it's not completely gone. So, uh, so good news. If you're a, a, uh, if you're getting ready to take delivery here at the, the end of the quarter, as many people are, I mean, Q4 is always Tesla's biggest quarter. So I'm sure I have some California listeners out there who may just be finding out about this now. And if so, I am thrilled to be the bearer of good news. I'm more than happy for to, uh, to deliver some good news for you on that. Uh, also take note, they were explicitly clear that you do have to register the car in California. So if you're thinking, well, I'll just take delivery there and then drive back to my state. Maybe you're in Nevada, maybe you're in Arizona, etc. That is uh, not going to be possible. So, uh, I don't blame you for thinking that if you if that was your thought when you heard this story, but um, it is a California only deal. I this could help spur some fence sitters. I think like if there are people out there who've been in, in California specifically, obviously they they might it might tip them over the edge and go, okay, fifteen hundred dollars off, great, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So we shall see how uh, how things go and how how long this lasts as well, because that I'm not sure of. Finally, this week. If you missed out on the Tesla tequila that was created by the Tesla design team, at least the bottle was, not the actual alcohol, but that cool lightning bolt bottle that I told you about, and that it literally sold out in about two hours, I have good news about that and bad news about that. The bad news is that there might not be another batch of the actual tequila. The good news, though, is that you should still be able to get the bottle, which is really honestly the only reason I went for it because I'm just going to, I don't think I'm going to open it. I'm just going to display it. Elon Musk took to Twitter this week to say, quote, 
Unfortunately, there are too many rules around liquor distribution, even in the U.S. However, we will be selling the lightning bottle and shot glasses worldwide. Now, some unfortunate folks out there may have found out about those liquor distribution rules the hard way when they did try to order the Tesla tequila and found out that the laws were such that it couldn't be shipped to their state or country. But at least this way, everybody's going to be able to get it. And uh, what's cool is there'll be a Tesla shot glass set to go with it. And then, you know, if you buy, if you buy the, just the bottle and the glasses, you can buy your own tequila or, quite frankly, any adult beverage of choice that you'd like to put in there and fill that lightning bottle up with whatever you like. So stay tuned to the Tesla online shop for that. Elon didn't say, so, you know, could be next week, could be in three months. Who knows? But it is going to happen. Actually, before I end the news part of the show this week, while I'm talking about the Tesla online store, I wanted to tip my cap to Aaron, aka at Tesla Jedi on Twitter, which is a fantastic Twitter handle, for giving me the heads up that Tesla is now selling an official Tesla branded 128 gigabyte USB stick for the Sentry mode for $35. And the reason I, I bring this up, uh, it is nice. So it's again, it's as usual with Tesla stuff. It's in a nice shell. It's nicely designed. And yes, this may sound like a like page shill thing because I do have my affiliation with pure Tesla. Uh, that is true. But hopefully I've earned enough credibility uh, with, with you guys here over the years that, that you'll believe me when I say... I honestly can say that this is one Tesla product that I cannot and do not recommend. And the reason is because it is just a USB stick. It's USB read and write. So it will wear out over time when used as a sentry mode dash cam device. That happened to a whole bunch of us in about you know six months to a year after... Sentry mode first rolled out. It happened to me. Uh, it, it's just not what USB flash memory is designed to do. That's why pure Tesla, that's why I'm, I'm happy to plug them at the end of every show and recommend wholeheartedly recommend it to you because it's not flash based. It's a smarter solution. It's micro SD based. It's a micro SD card piggybacking on a USB plug and that, you know, it just goes in exactly, you know, it goes into the USB port, but it's doing the reading and writing to a micro SD card. I've had mine for, gosh, well over a year now, zero problems. So that's, I wholeheartedly suggest uh, if you are, if you are still looking for a dash cam solution, get that pure Tesla kit because it's just going to last you longer. It's a few bucks more. It's 50 bucks, $49 for 128 gigs and Tesla's asking 35, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. So uh, I'll just give them their plug. Now, if you are interested in that, you can get one at puretesla.com slash RTL and they ship free anywhere in the U S now there were a couple of other additions to the Tesla online store this week, things I can and will wholeheartedly endorse. And those things are a new lineup of sexy clothing. And by sexy, I mean S3XY. A, a uh, coffee mug, it's a black coffee mug that has S3XY written on it, the product lineup. And then the same thing in hat form, 
and the same thing in hoodie sweatshirt form as well. So you can check all those out at shop.tesla.com. That's it for the Tesla news this week. Stick with me, though. I will be right back after a word from Teslab with the Ride the Lightning hotline and all of your excellent phone calls from the week. Stay tuned. Before I move on with the podcast, a big thank you to Teslab for once again sponsoring Ride the Lightning. Now, to remind you what Teslab is all about, it's basically like a fitness tracker for your car, like a Tesla version of a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. Teslab is an incredibly useful app that complements your Tesla ownership experience by helping you see and understand exactly how your vehicle is performing well beyond what the car shows you. And I'm extra proud to have them sponsoring the show again because they have kicked off a fantastic new initiative that I am really, really excited about. There is a new feature in Teslab that calculates the CO2 emissions of your charging sessions. It actually reads from your local utility to determine where the energy is coming from and then calculates your carbon impact. But that's not the awesome part. The really great part of this is that Teslab is partnering with One Tree Planted to allow you to offset the carbon impact of your energy usage if you so choose. It works by choosing the level you want to offset and then submitting payment. You can do this on an ongoing basis or just as a one-time thing. Once your order goes through, they send the funds to One Tree Planted, which helps with reforestation and thus offsetting your carbon impact. So if you're like me and want to make sure you're living as sustainably as possible, check out teslab.app RTL to learn more. It's free to sign up and you can start planting trees as soon as your first charge. And remember that the Teslab app is free to use for life, but you can upgrade to a pro account for the price of a coffee and get way more out of it. Check it out. That's teslab.app slash RTL, T-E-Z-L-A-B dot A-P-P slash R-T-L. Before I get started, here's the information I was looking for earlier. The date on that Fireball Supercharger takeover with the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Club, Saturday, December 12th, that is the correct date. Again, if COVID safety regulations permit, we'll see how time goes. But that is the current planned event. And uh, if it's safe to do so, I, I definitely plan on being there. I'm looking forward to seeing the new Supercharger. All right, let's get rolling with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics, give me a call anytime. If you'd like to talk about anything in the world of Tesla, I would love to hear from you. I really enjoy this part of the show, love hearing your voices. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either you use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record the question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com again teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can take the same question and just call in on the ride the lightning hotline itself it's a toll-free call and that number is 1-888-989-8752 that's 1-888-989-TSLA and hey if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday anniversary graduation or some other special occasion you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special the recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. 
Brian from Calgary is up first this week. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ryan. Brian here from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I've been listening to your show since January of this year in 2020, and I can't believe it's already been 12 months, basically, since I discovered you and your show. And I know it's been a crazy year for myself, I'm sure for you and everybody else who's listening, so I hope everybody's doing well. In terms of what I want to talk about is specifically the robo-taxi and the whole like uh, industry that's going to be servicing in the next few years. So I know that uh, Elon last year in April mentioned that by the end of 2020, there's going to be a million cars that's going to be on the robo-taxi network. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen this year, but I'm curious if there's any other updates or if Elon or anybody who, uh, mentioned this recently, um, because as someone who has put in a deposit down for a Cybertruck, uh, I know I wouldn't personally put my Cybertruck on the network, but I would definitely be willing to purchase a couple of cars to kind of create a fleet and, and start another side hustle because I'm an entrepreneur by nature and that's just what I do. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are and if anybody else had any inputs on that. So thanks a lot for the podcast. Really appreciate it. I always try my best to listen every week and hope you're doing well. Brian, thank you very much for your kind words. The good news with regard to the robo-taxi fleet and the future Tesla network, as it's going to be called, the Tesla network, is that the real-world release of the full self-driving beta here recently has shown that Tesla is a significant step closer to having the tech in place for that robo-taxi network. Remember, Elon fairly recently said that robo-taxis with human drivers would likely come first as a way to test the Tesla network before it goes fully autonomous later. And that makes perfect sense because, A, that will happen sooner than full autonomy will, and B, there are also regulatory approvals for a driverless robo-taxi system, or just or driverless anything, and I think people of uh, all political affiliations would probably agree with me when I say, again, with no malice intended, but the U.S. government is not exactly known for moving particularly quickly on, well, really just about anything. So we've got some progress, but it seems like we've still got a ways to go. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where we're at in, say, a year from now, once the Cybertrucks start rolling out of Giga Texas. Thanks, Brian. Let me go to JF in Montreal up next. Go ahead, JF. Hey, Ryan. It's JF from Montreal. Long-time listener, but it's been years since I've called in, mostly because you've been spot-on nearly all the time. However... Today, I have a little correction or maybe a caveat that should be added to an answer you gave to Eric last week regarding updates to non-FSD Teslas. Uh, I agree with what you said regarding uh, new Teslas with Hardware 3, that they will also benefit from the rewrite. However, the ones already on the road with Hardware 2 may not. Uh, Elon has mentioned in the recent past that with limited manpower, uh, they couldn't work on all platforms at once. So autopilot on hardware two cars without FSD, such as mine, may have hit a ceiling. Or if we're lucky, they will progress, but much slower and in somewhat limited capacity. At this point, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed for highway phantom braking to be fixed someday. Uh, I'd also like to take this opportunity to make an easy feature suggestion for Tesla. Most of us like to keep our driving mode in standard or sport to have the power there when we need it but I really wish it was in chill mode when autopilot was activated, especially in traffic. Thanks for all you do. Take care. 
JF, thank you for your call. Uh, yes, I appreciate you clarifying that. Hardware 2 or 2.5 definitely won't get the full self-driving because, of course, the whole point of the full self-driving computer is that it has the necessary computing power to handle the FSD software. Also, yes, uh, chill autopilot would be awesome. I agree. That is a good idea. And if I may be so bold as to add on to that idea, I would also like the option for the opposite, a sport mode autopilot that accelerates a bit quicker off of the green lights. I'm not saying, you know, drive like you stole it kind of thing, but I'll tell you, sometimes I need to nudge autopilot a little bit with the accelerator pedal because uh, it's just getting off the line a little too slowly and cautiously. I would love for the car to pick up the pace sometimes. Uh, it would be good to have an option where you could do either one, you know, in a, in a safe manner. Just choose choose what sort of driving profile you'd want for uh, autopilot when it's activated. Rich from Seattle is next. Rich Tong here from Seattle. Long time no talk. Just two quick comments, or maybe three. First is on your um, charging structure for uh, full self-driving. I have to admit I've done a lot of thinking about charging for things. I just leave you with two thoughts. First thing is that if you just allow someone to say ten thousand, say spend ten thousand dollars and never pay another dime uh, and just keep transferring the license, it's a pretty difficult revenue model to keep things going. That's why most people, most software vendors, end up on a subscription program because it sort of matches things. I don't think it's surprising to see Tesla, like a lot of companies, start with a, a big bang up front, which is a good value and brings money in first. But then moving to a subscription program basically means you keep paying and you don't really own anything, which is the way Apple and everyone else is going. The second thing is on 5G, I just wanted to make sure um, people know that, you know, right now 5G is not going to be much faster than 4G. It's not that quantum leap that 3G was to LTE, uh, there'll be some benefits later, but uh, it's not a panacea for everything. And I guess last comment is, boy, I sure would love to see a passenger-sized Cybertruck so that we could take advantage of that really low-cost uh, manufacturing and not have a gigantic truck, although personally I can't wait for my gigantic truck to arrive. Take care. Bye. It's always great to hear from you, Rich. Uh, with the full self-driving package pricing, I think I've said, I hope I've said each time I've talked about it, pardon me if I have if I have ever neglected to mention this, but a discount on the new car's FSD package or a transfer fee seem like a fair way to go. Uh, I agree that a one-time lifetime fee probably isn't reasonable to expect. I got a lifetime subscription on my Sirius satellite radio back in 2006 when I got that and, and it ended up paying for itself. I think it was 500 bucks for the lifetime subscription, but it ended up paying for itself several times over. So, uh, and guess what? Sirius doesn't offer a lifetime subscription anymore. In fact, they haven't for a long time. They got rid of it uh, fairly quickly, but I do agree that a subscription model, which I believe another caller talked about uh, to uh, sometime on last week's show, I think, the, the subscription model just makes a ton of sense. I mean, and regarding 5G, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm finding this out the hard way, what you're talking about. I just got a new iPhone after having my last one for a few years, so I was uh, lucky enough to be in a position to upgrade. And, and what the phone labels as 5G, 
doesn't really seem all that much faster than, than the 4G LTE, according to the speed tests I've done on the speed test app. But I will say that said, the, I've one I've found one spot so far, not that I've been out and about very much, but I've found one spot that has the 5G plus, which is how AT&T labels it on the phones. I think it's like the ultra wide something on Verizon uh, from the, if I remember right from the TV commercials, but 5G plus and that holy smokes, that was fast. I noticed when I saw it on the phone, when I saw the 5G Plus, I did another speed test. It was 800 megabits per second download and 75 up, which is insane. I mean, that's faster than a lot of people's home connections. That's just, that's crazy. But uh, but you're right. I mean, that, again, I found one spot where that happened so far. So the rollout on that, to your point, seems to have a long way to go at least based on my limited experience with it thus far in, in a you know pretty major city, San Francisco. Talk soon, Rich. Thanks, as always, for your calls. Another regular caller, Ryan from Denver, is next, uh, responding to a previous caller from another show who had a bad tire replacement experience with Tesla. So go ahead, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Uh, this is Ryan from Denver. I'm just calling in to respond to the gentleman uh, who... Uh, basically had a bad experience with getting his tire replaced by Tesla and proposed getting a tire repair kit to fix it instead. Um, I just want to note that if you do happen to use like a chemical sealant like Fix-A-Flat to to fix your tire, then that tire can no longer be patched as that gentleman was able to do with his. There's not necessarily a reason not to use a tire patch kit. I'm just... uh, that may not be common knowledge, so I'm throwing that out there. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Love all you do. Bye. Ryan, I have heard that before as well. So that is a good note to keep in mind in case you're in a situation where that can be avoided. That It can't always. Sometimes that's your only option. But again, good to keep in mind. Thank you very much. Let's go now to Ali from Japan. Hey, what's up, Ryan? This is Ali from Japan. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. I had an idea about FSD package. Uh, Imagine, for example, when you have a premium account on Netflix, it means you can access 4K contents whenever you log into any device that's 4K capable. Now imagine if you could buy FSD package not as a part of uh, the car, which is just a hardware, but as a part of your account. That would mean whenever you, you use your phone, to access any Tesla, whether it's your own Tesla or it's a rental Tesla or it's your friend's Tesla and he's given you the permission to use it for the moment. Whenever you're behind the wheel of any Tesla with the proper hardware, you'll be able to use the FSC's features. That would open up a lot of opportunities for the company and for the users. Tesla would be able to sell FSD package to people who are not even owners, but they just want to have the service and be able to use it on shared cars or on company cars or whatever. I think it's going to be a win-win situation both for the company and for the users. Let me know what you think about it. Keep it up. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for your call, Ali. It's awesome to get calls from all around the world. It just That, that blows my mind when I have... Callers from Japan, Australia, France, Norway. It's it's just wild to me that uh, that people are listening to this all over the world. I'm just I'm just a guy in his home office here in San Francisco recording a thing every Friday night. It's uh 
It's kind of surreal. Anyway, uh, that is a good thought. You know, it gets back to that full self-driving transfer issue that's come up a lot, including earlier on this very podcast, and that, you know, Tesla could do a lot more with this as, as a software license than they are currently doing. I mean, I certainly like the idea of being able to jump into any Tesla and have all of the software-related stuff that's on my account become unlocked in that car. I will say, though, that I feel like some of what you're getting at might be addressed by the robo-taxi fleet. You know, then you do need, I mean, or you just need a Tesla network membership, not necessarily a full self-driving membership. So I wonder if those could end up overlapping a bit, but I like the idea. I hope Tesla starts thinking outside the box a bit more with the full self-driving package and the licensing and usage of it. Nigel from Manhattan Beach is up next. Welcome to the podcast, Nigel. Hi, Ryan. It's Nigel Pearson from Manhattan Beach, California. I have a long-range rear-wheel drive red Model 3, build date December 2017. I'm considering trading it in for a new long-range Model 3 with the new 2021 hardware features, but I've run up against the issue of the value of the full self-driving. I paid $2,000 for the FSD in, I believe, January 2019, but if I buy the new Model 3, I will have to pay $10,000 for the same FSD software. Rather than Tesla allowing me to transfer my FSD software to the new vehicle, what I think should happen is that when I trade in my Model 3 with the FSD, Tesla should recognize the full value of the FSD on my existing car as being $10,000 and add that to the trade-in value of the car. After all, that is the existing price of the FSD. And unlike the hardware on my existing car, software does not depreciate in value. A condition of Tesla recognizing the full $10,000 value of the FSD software in my existing car could be that I purchase the FSD in my new Model 3. Otherwise, with the cost of the FSD increasing even more in the future, I am even less likely to want to upgrade my car to the new model year. That seems to me to be bad business for Tesla. Let me know what you think, Ryan. Thanks. Hello, Nigel, and thank you for your call. Uh, First, I think it's fair to clarify, and I'm sure you meant this, but you didn't actually say it, but you didn't pay $2,000 for full self-driving. I mean, you paid $2,000 for that package at the time, but ultimately you paid $7,000 because in order to have done that $2,000 FSD upgrade in that February 2019 window, which by the way, that's when I got it too, you have to have already had the enhanced autopilot, which was a $5,000 package back when you and I bought our cars. Now, the very basic highway auto steer version of autopilot is included with the car and the $10,000 gets you literally everything else. So it's really, I think it's fair to say, it's really a $3,000 difference, which, hey, is not insignificant. Certainly, $3,000 is a lot of money. Although the rest of the car has uh, has come down in price, aside from the full self-driving package, kind of overall. But if I guess I'll do the math with you real quick because it's, it's, it'll be kind of interesting to, to see if you know, that you're thinking of trading in and, and moving to a 2021. 
So if memory serves, you would have paid $49,000 for your car. Plus, I think I think the red paint at that time was only $1,000. And then $5,000 for the in, uh, enhanced autopilot. Add the $2,000 full self-driving package that you got later, and you would have ended up at about $57,000 all in. Now, so I went on the Tesla website, the design studio, the same configuration would be 59,000, so all right, 2,000 more, but you're getting all-wheel drive, more range, more performance, and other new little upgrades like uh, having the octavalve heat pump in there. Uh, now, granted, not that you're going to need, not that you'll really need that cold weather capability down in Manhattan Beach, but it's in there. And then like stuff like the new center console, right? So all up, again, about $2,000 more, but you're getting more car too. So I would kind of call it a wash, honestly, just looking at it that way. I know there are there are several ways that you could look at it, but uh, there are certainly pros and cons to upgrading. And the good news is, same thing I always say, you're, you're a winner either way, because what you've already got a great car, if you decide to trade it in and get a 2021 model, you're going to be getting some nice little upgrades and, and advancements that Tesla has made, both the obvious kind and the under-the-hood kind that you can't see. So good luck, Nigel, in your decision, whichever way you decide to go. Pat in Austin is up next, commenting on Mitch's tennis ball tip from last week. Something to add there. Go ahead, Pat. Hi, Ryan. This is Pat in Austin. This is a comment on the tennis ball in the garage tip that was heard last week. Um, we do the same thing, but we use a more, uh, I guess, Tesla high-tech way of doing that. We use the backup camera, and we have different pieces of tape on the garage floor to mark how far to pull in. We have a Model X and a Model 3. It works great. You just turn the camera on for the uh, mark, which is just a piece of tape, and when you get to that mark, you stop. Enjoy the show again. Thanks again. Pat, I love that. Thank you very much for calling in with it because every Tesla can do that. So that is a bit more of an unobtrusive way to go. I mean, hey, tennis ball trick works, but so does that backup camera and a little clever use of tape on the garage floor. So good idea. Thank you very much for calling in. And our last caller this week, last and certainly not least, Damon from Northbrook, Illinois. Go ahead, Damon. Hi, Ryan. Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois here. And I have a issue using the Tesla app as a key. Uh, specifically, whenever I am checking on the status of my Model X, climate, charging, whatever, um, I tend to leave my app on that page. And then I'll go to my three to get in, and my phone doesn't work as a key then. It forces me to open the app back up and select my three within the app. And this is just silly to me. I think that regardless of whatever page my app is in, my key should still work. And uh, I imagine this is even worse for people who have a Y and a three, because um, then it's definitely dependent on what page you're on. At least with my X, I can go to it. And I, if I have the key fob with me, I get in regardless of what page the app is on. But um, I think that this is going to be compounded if they start to use the phone as a key for the S or the X. Anyhow, um, I wanted to bring this up, see your thoughts on it, and uh, also just ask, 
is there a proper place to voice these concerns? Like if there's any issues I have with the Tesla software or with my car, um, I could do that through the bug report on, in my car. But I was wondering if you know of a proper place to voice concerns with the app or just with Tesla products in general. Um, so anyhow, I appreciate your thoughts and anyone in the community that might have any uh, good feedback for this. Thanks for all you do. Damon, thank you for calling in with this because since I have one Tesla and not multiple Teslas, I was not aware of this. I agree that it is completely silly and I would think the app would be smart enough to recognize both cars and let you into either if you're a multi-Tesla household. Unfortunately, to your second question about a proper channel to voice this to, I feel like I've brought this up recently, uh, but I'll say it again. With, with no hyperbole here, I can honestly say that tweeting Elon is the current best feedback channel. And I'll repeat myself again from what I've said about this before. Again, in all seriousness, straight-faced, I think that's ridiculous, quite frankly, that that's the best feedback channel because it's not a particularly efficient system. There's no way to prioritize or process it. And more to the point, Elon is pulled in a million different directions every day. That, that sh tweeting him should not be the way that you get your voice heard to, to give feed like constructive feedback on the Tesla ownership experience. But sadly, that is the only actionable advice that I can reasonably give right now. Uh, so with that, that is the end of the Ride the Lightning Hotline portion of the show. I thank everybody who called in. And if you have something on your mind, feel free to give me a ring. I gave you the dial-in info at the top of this segment, and I look forward to your call. All right, stick with me. I'm going to come right back with your pro tip of the week and a bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, as for me and my car, with no rain in the forecast for the week to come, I think I might try to get down to the garage and wash my car this weekend and get the last week's rain <laughs> and dirt off of it. And I think I might have mentioned this last week, but just as a, a, a courtesy public service announcement, as a lot of us head into, you know, wetter weather, whether it's in the form of of rain, snow, or both. But uh, if you, like me, have a 2018 Model 3 or just a 2018 Tesla, change your windshield wipers. You're, you know, you're supposed to do them about every two years. So now is a good time before, you know, you want to do it and be proactive about it before it gets into, you know, before you're in a, a real wet weather situation where you've got old wipers that aren't quite doing their thing anymore. Uh, real quick, again, the video game recommendation for the week, if you are still mostly working from home, hanging at home, unfortunately, uh, COVID-19 cases are, are spiking very, very badly uh, around the United States. So if you are uh, hanging out at home and need a video game recommendation, well, I happen to, to work in video game media by day, so I've got plenty of those. And this week, I wanted to recommend a game called The Tourist. It's spelled T-O-U-R-Y-S-T, which certainly makes it Google-friendly and SEO-friendly if you're searching for it. 
I just played it on the Xbox Series X as part of my coverage of Microsoft's uh, new generation console, and it's brand new for the Series X, but it actually came out on Xbox One and PC earlier this summer, and it came out a year ago for Nintendo Switch. That's where it debuted. So for some of you, uh, some of you real uh, video game connoisseurs out there, you may uh, have already known how cool this game is, but... I just played it and I ended up finishing it. It's about a maybe just a five, six hour game. It's not super long, and I think the price reflects that. But man, what it's a really fun adventure game. It's the visual style is uh, you, they use voxels, and it's got kind of that Minecraft blocky look to it. But it's very colorful, very charming art style with uh, with some neat adventure game puzzle elements. So highly recommended. The Tourist on either Xbox, PC or Nintendo Switch. Pro tip of the week time, Blaine in Houston with regard to the Homelink that's built into uh, many Teslas, though not the newest ones. Tesla did ditch Homelink about mm, a year or so ago, but for those of you that have Homelink in the car and those of you that are using it, here's a good pro tip from Blaine. Hey Ryan, Blaine in Houston reaching out regarding Homelink. I'd been experiencing issues over the past couple of months where I was unable to close my garage door using Homelink uh, within my car. And I was also unable to use Homelink uh, within the Tesla app. So I reconnected my opener with the car and uh, reset the Homelink there. And that didn't seem to help. And, And after searching around on the internet, I found out that certain types of light bulbs that you put in your garage door opener can actually interfere with the Homelink signal. Uh, And so I found some Genie brand light bulbs at Home Depot, uh, and and, and they're designed not to interfere with garage door openers. So I put those in, I trashed the old light bulbs, and believe it or not, everything is back to normal. So uh, the problem with Homelink was due to light bulbs, which I find crazy. I uh, just wanted to share that with all the listeners out there in case they're having any problems with their home link connection uh, and thought it might help. Thanks again for everything you do, Ryan. I appreciate the podcast. Appreciate all the insight from all the listeners uh, and hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. Wow, that is crazy, Blaine. I've never heard that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, this is my favorite kind of phone call to get because, as I say, uh, when this happens, I learned something new today. I had no idea about that. Thank you. And I trust if if I learn something new, a lot of your fellow listeners probably are learning that for the first time as well. So cheers, Blaine. Thank you so much. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something that's not obvious about your car, about the Tesla experience that you'd like to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, give me a call. Again, you're either emailing, you're recording into the email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline with that toll-free number that I gave you earlier in the podcast. Well, I hope you've stuck around for the plugs portion of the podcast here at the end, because there are some awesome Black Friday slash Cyber Monday deals going on with my affiliate friends. Let me start with Snap Plate. Snap Plate is made by Living Tesla, and you find the Snap Plate at livingtesla.com slash RTL. Please use that slash RTL uh, in the URL there. 
Starting on Monday, that's tomorrow as this show is released, Monday, November 23rd, running through Cyber Monday, which is one week later on November 30th, there is a 20% off discount for anything in the store if you use the coupon code CYBERTURKEY, all one word, CYBERTURKEY. So go to livingtesla.com slash RTL and anything you want to get, use that coupon code CYBERTURKEY and you're going to get 20% off, which is an awesome discount there. And a reminder that their main product is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. That's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. It's, uh, you know, goes on and it's secure, but you, it comes with a tool where you can easily and, and, you know, painlessly remove it, whether you're at a car show, whether you're washing your car or put it back on, if you're at a parking meter or something like that, where you could get a ticket. So livingtesla.com slash RTL coupon code cyber Turkey. Meanwhile, there is my friends at Jada, the wireless charging pad and USB hub for the model three and model Y in both of those cases. There's some big Black Friday discounts there. You've got to visit them using my referral link, which I would sincerely appreciate. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And that link is always in the show notes. If you ever forget it or don't, you know, you just need to easily refer to it. Just check the show notes and use that uh, coupon code Ride the Lightning. But the good news is you're going to automatically get some discount action, $25 off the Jada wireless pad, 15 off of the USB hub, $5 off if you need the spacer, and then uh, the bundle is 40 off. And if you use, meaning if you get both the USB hub and the wireless charging pad, $40 off, that's pretty awesome, the two of them. But if you use the Ride the Lightning coupon code with that, you get another five off on top of that. So it's $45 off if you buy both of those products. So again, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. The wireless charging pad in my Model 3 made by Jada. I'm telling you, it, it is my favorite Tesla accessory that I have. It is just uh, extremely useful, which is probably why Tesla is including them on all of the new Model 3s and Model Ys because it's a really useful accessory. Uh, and then, of course, you've got abstractocean.com. They've got the coupon code for you as well, RTL Podcast, all one word, RTL Podcast. That code will get you 15% off of your order. They've got the really awesome factory-looking rear footwell lighting kit, which I would especially recommend to Model Y owners because the seats are on risers, so you're, you know, you've got a little more space and usability down under those front seats, it, it, you know, from sitting in the back row. It really looked nice, especially nice in a Model Y, but it'll look great in a Model 3 as well. They've also got a new, another new product, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer. They've also got, of course, their tempered glass screen protectors for the 3 and Y, uh, all kinds of stuff. The vinyl uh, wrap kits for the center, the old-style center consoles that everybody but the newest of new owners has. Etc. Etc. Again, I say this in the most loving way. They are the Costco of Tesla accessories. Check them out, abstractocean.com. And then, of course, uh, there is Immaculate Reflections. Fine 
detail work to be had by Jeff. He is wonderful. Check him out on his website, irdetailing.com. You can see more of his work on Yelp, which is yelp.com slash immaculate reflections, as well as his Instagram, where his handle is immaculate underscore reflections. He is available to book now. And if you are a listener of this show, just mention, hey, I listen to Ride the Lightning. He will give you a discount off of whatever package you end up working with him on, whether you decide to do a ceramic coating, a paint protection film, either partial or the whole car, or maybe you want to do a, uh, a paint correction to beautify and perfect your faint, your faint, your paint from the factory as much as possible. I had that done on mine, and my goodness, the paint job looks so much better. Uh, it is a Jeff just does wonderful work. So check him out, irdetailing.com. That will do it. If you're not already subscribing to the show, you can do so for free. That's not a paid thing in any way, shape, or form. Just subscribe on your favorite podcast service so that the show automatically downloads to you each and every week. And you can subscribe on, again, all the big ones, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, which is in your Tesla, Spotify, which can also be in your Tesla. Thank you to the handful of listeners that sent me the screenshot of this podcast in Spotify in the car uh, because it's they've redone the interface. It looks really nice in there now. So check that out. I'm also, I'm on YouTube, but just as, it's just audio. There's no video there. But if you want to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you will find me easily. Finally, I just want to mention the Patreon. I mentioned this at the top of the show. The monthly group Google Hangout with me and uh, and a bunch of you who are with me on Patreon will have that group Google Hangout coming up here in a couple weeks. Super looking forward to that. The first few have been really fun. I've been I've been having a blast with them. I hope you guys that have participated in that have too. And that is a perk that is reserved for the Maximum Plaid supporters all the time. And then if you're a new Patreon backer, you get a, a sort of a one-time introductory uh, invitation to that and hope you'll, hopefully you enjoy it. So again, a lot of hard work goes into this podcast. And if you are in a position where you're, you're willing and able to support my efforts, I would genuinely, sincerely appreciate it. I, whatever tier you feel comfortable supporting at, and you can find more information or just if you want to go pledge and, and back me, uh, you can do so on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast and Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That will wrap it up aside from thanking the Plaid and Maximum Plaid level supporters, as I do every week. Thank you to the newest Maximum Plaid backers, Seth Capello, as well as Nick and Tony. Thank you all very much, as well as there's Pete White in the Maximum Plaid group, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, and Daniel Grummer. And then the Plaid level crew, a uh, lot big shout out to all of you as well. George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, 
Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan. Great to talk to Michael at the Tesla Owners Silicon Valley virtual event this past week. Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evitricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Nolan Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Eric St. Pierre, and Steve Drumheller. Thanks to all of you for your continued and very generous support on Patreon. It really does everybody's support, makes a huge difference in, in a huge positive difference in my life. And I really, really, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate it if you're, uh, if you're able to support my efforts. But even if you can't and you're just listening, hey, that's okay. This show's always going to come at you every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. And for a uh, now sleeping Daisy the Boxer who, I don't know, you may have heard, she did kind of do her little little cough there a bit throughout the show. So it, it, I'll tell you, it's you know, she's really not been sick at all yet. She's three. So it's, I have to say, it's breaking my heart to hear her cough. Hopefully she's going to be okay. I'll give you an update on her next week. And yes, I will have a show. Again, I, I don't take time off. on the. There is always something. I always put something out for you every week. So uh, despite the fact that it's the holiday week, I will be here. We'll see how much there is to talk about. You know, the, you've got the holiday there at the back half of the week here in the United States. So we'll see. But I'll be here with whatever there is to talk about and uh, and hopefully have a good update on Daisy. So in the meantime, I wish all of my U.S. listeners a happy Thanksgiving holiday. And to all of you, regardless of where you are, uh, stay in good health, stay safe, happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.